from South Carolina Public Radio. This is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on May 19th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. Now, as part of our series of episodes where AT is working from Charleston on Spoleto, we'll bring you several pre-produced shows over the course of the coming weeks. This episode is a deep dive on Senator Tim Scott's presidential campaign announcement. And with that, we take you to North Charleston, where on May 22nd, the junior senator made his formal presidential campaign announcement. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States of America! That was South Carolina Senator Tim Scott on Monday, May 22nd, making it official. He is running for the White House, becoming the second South Carolinian to jump in the race. But before we hear more from the now Republican presidential candidate Tim Scott, let's take a look back at his life, career, and how he got here. Tim Scott was born in North Charleston in 1965, and he is one of two boys to his mother Frances, a nursing assistant, and his father Ben, who served in the Air Force. The family moved around a lot on account of Scott's father, but verbal and physical abuse took a toll, and eventually Frances took her two boys to live with her parents in South Carolina when Scott was seven, a definitive moment in his young life. Sharing a room and a bed with his mother and brother during those formative and poor years has inspired much of his political narrative. His grandfather, who left school in the third grade to pick cotton, became one of the most influential people in his life, as well as a local Chick-fil-A operator, John Moniz, who Scott credits in helping turn his life around in high school by teaching him the value of hard work and earning an honest buck. Moniz died when Scott was 19, but rarely does he give a speech without invoking him or his greatest source of strength, his mother Frances. Scott still takes her to church on Sundays, and occasionally she appears on the campaign trail with him. Well, yeah, A, thanks for being my role model for the last you know, 55 years of my life, <laughs> without question. Uh, you know, I, I love a verse, Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. There's a lot of women out there who have hope for something that they have not seen. How would you encourage them to remain hopeful? Well, the first thing I would tell them is never give up. Never give up. Never give up. And when you start hoping or believing for something, sometimes it takes a while or it's a, I should, I would like to say it's a process yes. that, that it will come to pass. Yeah. So it's a process. When I was uh, nearly flunking out of school, you never gave up. Is, no. is that a good example? That's a very good example. That's an excellent example because I know what you had inside of you and what you were capable of doing. Yes. So therefore, I couldn't give up. His evangelical faith has also been a key part of his identity since childhood. He briefly thought of joining the seminary, but graduated from Charleston Southern University and became an insurance salesman before getting elected to Charleston County Council in 1995, kicking off a political career that would eventually take him to the State House and Congress. Deficit spending in Washington is eroding the opportunities of the next generation of Americans. Unborn Americans will be paying the price for benefits that people are trying to ascribe to themselves today. That's wrong. It's not right. We hear people talking all the time, we need more earmarks. Hogwash. We don't need more earmarks. 
What we need is courage. We need a backbone and some common sense. Scott recalled in a CBS Sunday morning interview how he decided on his political identity. I feel comfortable identifying as a Republican, mostly because my issues led me there. At what age did you start thinking of yourself as a Republican? 29. 29? I announced for running for office. Ah. I had to make a choice. I had to figure out who I was going to be in the public stage in order for me to run for office. And I visited the Democrats. The Democrat party said, you seem to be a talented kid. Um, if you're willing to wait a while, your time will come. So I looked at the issues that I wanted to run on, and I said, well, these are more aligned with the Republican Party. And they say you can run now. Scott would go on to be the first black Republican elected to the state house in more than 100 years and first black Republican elected to Congress from South Carolina since Reconstruction, and then, in 2012, another first. South Carolina Senator Jim DeMint stepped down from the U.S. Senate, and Governor Nikki Haley appointed Scott to fill the remainder of his term. Um, But I also think this is a new day, and it is um, with great pleasure that I am announcing um, that I am appointing our next U.S. Senator to be Congressman Tim Scott. And I look forward to continuing to build on the family known as South Carolina. You know, I haven't won anything yet in the Senate. I have to run for re-election in 2014. And I look forward to having an opportunity to getting around the state and introducing myself to citizens throughout this great state of South Carolina. I will say this in closing, that the future is incredibly bright for America. We have our challenges. We have things that we have to overcome. But Boy, does the future look great in South Carolina. And he would go on to win a full term in 2016 and again easily in 2022, his final term. Eleven short years later, however, both he and Haley face each other in a growing 2024 Republican presidential field. And, you know, we wish him well, just, you know, like we wish everybody else well. But at the end of the day, you know, it is. It's about showing, are you capable to run the country in a way that's going to get our economic policy back on track, that's going to deal with foreign policy issues, and make sure that we make America strong and proud again. I'm determined to do that. I'm not worried about anybody else in the race. I'm just focused on me and my communication with the American people. Both Scott and Haley have been touted as rising stars within the party and both endorsed Florida Senator Marco Rubio for president in 2016 over Donald Trump. Trump handily won the nomination and went on to win the White House, and Scott went on to be an ally and sounding board of sorts during the good times and the bad, including his work on Opportunity Zones. Jobs and investments are pouring into 9,000 previously neglected neighborhoods thanks to Opportunity Zones, a plan spearheaded by Senator Tim Scott as part of our great Republican tax cuts. He also helped craft part of the tax overhaul law in 2017. Scott was also the Republican lead on negotiations on police reform following the brutal murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor at the hands of police officers in 2020. I don't speak on this floor very often, but this is my 10th speech on policing in America in eight years. The 10th time I've asked for something that will make our officers better and safer and make our communities better and safer. Another time I have asked for more resources for recruitment so that we can have only the best wearing the badge. 
The Justice Act, however, never got past negotiations after he and his Democratic counterpart, Cory Booker, failed to reach an agreement on portions of the bill. In 2020, Scott supported President Donald Trump's re-election campaign and spoke to the nation in primetime about his story and Trump's vision for America. Joe Biden said if a black man didn't vote for him, he wasn't truly black. Joe Biden said black people are a monolithic community. It was Joe Biden who said poor kids can be just as smart as white kids. Though Trump lost in 2020, Scott's profile continued to rise, and he had the coveted spot of responding to President Joe Biden's first address to Congress. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around the store while I'm shopping. I remember every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege. Since then, Scott has traveled the country campaigning for other candidates, raising money, and his profile to the point where after a fresh re-election victory in 2022 to his final term in the Senate, the 57-year-old has decided to run for the highest office in the land and launched an exploratory committee in April. He's visited early voting states like Iowa where he spoke in February about his plan for America. I bear witness that America can do for anyone what she's done for me, but we must rise up to the challenges of our time. This is a fight we must win. And that will take faith, faith in God, faith in each other, and faith in America. God bless our United States of America, and God bless you. And we're going to be on the road with the center as he returns to Iowa and New Hampshire this week, this time as a declared presidential candidate. But first, more from his remarks at his alma mater at Charleston Southern University. Hundreds of people on our terrorist watch list are crossing our borders. Chinese nationals are flooding into Mexico to break in. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing nothing when 70,000 Americans lose their lives to fentanyl. Every county in this country has become a border county. The left shut down, the left shut down our schools and churches in the name of slowing a virus but they won't secure the border to protect our families from fentanyl. When I, when I am president, the drug cartels using Chinese labs and Mexican factories to kill Americans will cease to exist. I will freeze their assets, I will build the wall, and I will allow the world's greatest military to fight these terrorists because that's exactly what they are. Security, security needs starts on our border, but it doesn't end there. We have spent decades getting deeper and deeper into debt to the Chinese Communist Party. Their goal is not just to surpass us, their goal is to beat us. I'm reminded of a Bible verse, Proverbs 22.7, that says, borrower is slave 
to the lender. It goes beyond our finances, though. It's about our supply chains. It's about medicines and microchips and critical minerals. It's about China buying American farmland, infiltrating our airspace, and tracking our kids. It's about President Xi siding with Putin and Iran. America can win this competition, but Joe Biden cannot. I will be the president who ramps up research and development, reclaims our supply chains, and re-energizes our manufacturing base with Opportunity Zones 2.0 and an entire Made in America agenda. I see an era of exponential innovation where America leads the world with new breakthroughs, where new medical cures and cheaper drugs and lower healthcare costs become the norm, lengthening the lives of our citizens, where law enforcement has advanced equipment to keep each and every one of them safe. <laughs> where American where we have huge new American factories creating high-paying American jobs. My grandfather's stubborn faith was not just faith in the goodness of America. It was faith in God himself. Amen. I will be the president who stops the far left's assault on our religious liberty. I will preserve one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. For more analysis on Scott's presidential bid, we turn to Gibbs Knotts, who's the Dean at the School of Humanities and Social Sciences at the College of Charleston. So Gibbs, Senator Tim Scott has entered the presidential race. This is a significant moment for our state on multiple fronts. We have two viable candidates now in the presidential race, uh, on top of the fact that South Carolina is an early voting state. But let's start with what makes Tim Scott such an appealing candidate and what his motivation was to get in this race. Yeah, I mean, the two best positions to be in to run for president are a U.S. senator or a governor, and he's a U.S. senator. And uh, he's, got a, he's got an optimistic message. I mean, in this era where people are tearing each other down and trying to win the day with some big tweet or, you know, the Marjorie Taylor Green Donald Trump era of politics, Tim Scott is a different type of politician. And I think he's going to bring a more optimistic, kinder, certainly still very conservative, but optimistic, kinder approach. Kinder approach. So, Gibbs, when we talk about this message of hope and positivity, that's all well and good. But, I mean, you remember the 2016 Republican presidential primary. It was pretty much a slugfest. Um, uh, can, this, can this good guy behavior, can this nice guy behavior really get through all that with these platitudes? How does he break through when it's going to be probably a repeat of 2016? It's going to be tough. I mean, obviously, Donald Trump beat some really good candidates, Marco Rubio, uh, Ted Cruz. You remember Nikki Haley and Tim Scott supported Marco Rubio in 2016. Uh, and so, yeah, it's going to be really, really hard. But at some point, maybe 
people are going to get sick of this at some point. They're going to be looking for some type of change. And he's the person I think that's best positioned if if the Republican voters decide, look, you know, we want a conservative, that's for sure. But we don't want somebody like Donald Trump. And, and Ron DeSantis has picked a lot of fights in Florida. I mean, whether it's the controversy with Disney or some of the things with higher education. And so, you know, he may also be you know, somebody who doesn't play quite as well in suburban areas. You know, Ron DeSantis, you know, might be really popular in, in some parts of South Carolina, but there's probably other parts like the first congressional district for for one, or maybe he's not going to be quite as popular. So when you when you kind of piggyback on that, Gibbs, when you're talking about maybe that message that's not so heated and so feisty, then you start looking at Governor Nikki Haley, former Governor Haley, uh, and she's trying to occupy that lane too. And they both, her and Tim Scott, have similar messages, similar narratives. She's a, a woman of color. She has similar backgrounds in some respects. Um, different different track records, of course, being a governor versus a senator. But how do they handle that lane together, in your opinion? There, you know, like I said, a lot of similarities there. They're going to have to break through in some ways. What do they need to do to, you know, get through the noise? It's really going to be tough for them. I mean, obviously, they're still in single digits. I mean, it's early, but they're still, you know, you've got really two main competitors in Trump and DeSantis. And so, yeah, it's going to be hard for them. But, but I think, you know, just they need to figure out, okay, what what's what are the policy areas that they can really connect with and for Tim Scott you know he he's willing to stand up against Trump when it was uh, Charlottesville or he, he certainly after the George Floyd murders led uh, criminal justice reform for the for the GOP and so I think those are the types of issues where Scott can can really come 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 around and I think Haley's got a lot of foreign policy experience obviously being ambassador to the United Nations she's she's going to be able to carve out some expertise that I think some of the other candidates just aren't going to have and so so I sort of think for Haley, it could be foreign policy. For Tim Scott, it could be some of these domestic issues, particularly related to race. And it's going to be interesting to see how he has to do that, too, right? Because I've, I've been seeing Nikki Haley on the campaign trail where she gets asked a lot about Trump. Obviously, she served in his cabinet as the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Uh, and then she you know, starts talking about these competency tests. And that seems like maybe her cover for trying to get him out of the race and saying that, you know, there's the passes in the past, there might be too much baggage with someone like Trump. She calls him a friend, but she doesn't directly attack him. I'm assuming we're going to see maybe some similar attacks with, with Senator Scott's uh, candidacy. Yeah, Tim Scott's already done some of that, you know, just as a U.S. senator. So I expect he will also. I mean, I think they're both going to talk about, ele talk about electability. I mean, I think both Tim Scott and Nikki Haley are much better general election candidates than Donald Trump. I think they're going to be able to win in suburban areas. They're going to be able to expand the party a little bit, maybe bring in a more diverse group of voters to the Republican Party. And so I expect them to talk about that when they're out on the campaign trail. I mean, electability, Republicans, you know, lost a tough one in 2020. They don't want to lose again. They've lost a good number of races. Obviously, 2022 should have really been a landslide if you look historically. And Republicans did, you know, okay, but not as well as they should have. And so I think electability is going to be a big part of Tim Scott and Nikki Haley's message. Yeah, definitely, because we're hearing that from her about just how much you know, they've lost the popular vote so many times, like the midterms, uh, et cetera. So it's really just a matter of getting that message. But of course, it's primary voters, too. So you have to kind of juggle that uh, that messaging. So do you see an opportunity to that? How do you do that in somewhere like South Carolina where we play such a critical role? What do the voters in South Carolina want to hear from folks? And how does that determine, I guess, the race forward, Gibbs? You've, you've written the book on the South Carolina right. primary. 
So, yeah, so South Carolina, you know, is going to be first for the Democrats. It's going to be still third for the Republicans. And what I wrote the book with Jordan Ragusa, one of my colleagues here at the College of Charleston. And what we found was that the South Carolina voters are pretty representative of the National Republican Party. We kind of tried to rank the different states and then compare them to national Republican voters. And South Carolina ended up being about third. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that uh, if you can do well in South Carolina, you can probably do well nationally. And Tim Scott and Nikki Haley have both done really, really well in South Carolina. Not only did they win their primaries, they they won general multiple general elections in this state. And so I do think they both have the ability to appeal to the national Republican electorate based on how well they've done in previous elections in South Carolina. It's just going to be a little tough because they're both in it. It's almost like they should have like you know had a, had a, had an outside wager, flip a coin, figured out who could who could one of them could have run and the other one could have maybe said next time because they're both fairly young mm -hmm. when it comes to you know politics and politicians today. But but I do think their message has the ability to not only win in this state but win nationally. And Gibbs, just kind of you know a little bit about that flipping the coin joke there. Uh, they also need to break through this vice presidential chatter too, right? Because the polling kind of suggests that they're you know they're not a Donald Trump, they're not a Ron DeSantis, who are just dominating the polls right now. Uh, so how do they get through that? Like, oh, they're just running for vice president at this yeah. point. I've had a lot of people say that to me when I'm out out and about and, and kind of ask my opinion. I mean, I feel like there's no way they're putting themselves through this solely to run for vice president. I think they both believe that they have a legitimate shot. I mean, why wouldn't a, a, a U.S. senator who's won multiple times have a shot? Why wouldn't somebody who's been a governor and done the things that Nikki Haley's done and also you know, served in an administration on the world stage not have a legitimate shot as running for the presidency? That doesn't mean that they would turn down a vice presidential uh, ask if they got it, but but certainly I think they're running for president, and I do think they just need to keep reminding voters about their experience and about how you know they wouldn't get into this if they weren't didn't think they had a legitimate shot to be president, didn't really want to be president. But it's got to be tough because they're younger, uh, and you've got an incumbent president running in the primary, which changes things. We don't really not an incumbent president, but a, a former president running in the primary, that's pretty rare in American politics. And so that's kind of messing things up a little bit for them as well. So Gibbs, when you're looking at this, we're talking about messaging, we're talking about how it resonates with voters. Obviously, polling is one way to determine that, but also money, these big donors and how much money they're bringing in, these candidates are. Uh, Tim Scott has amassed a very large war chest when he was campaigning a lot in 2022, not only for his own reelection, but you know, which was very easy because his Democratic opponent was just really not there. Uh, but when he was, you know, campaigned for other candidates across the country at the same time, helping build his network, not with just donors, but with politicians and supporters. So uh, money is going to be a big factor to see who can actually make it to South Carolina next February on to Super Tuesday. Uh, how are you watching that and what does that tell you in terms of how they can they can make it through? Yeah, I mean, it's really good news for Tim Scott. He's doing really, really, he comes in with more money. I think he raised, uh, you know, among the most of anybody running for president in this first quarter. And so, I mean, that's the name of the game. Not only does it allow you to hire people and get people on your team, but it allows you to get on the airwaves, which is really, really important in these early primary states. And so, you know, from the money race, Tim Scott, you know, it's still Trump and DeSantis. Those are still the two. But, you know, what if one of them stumbles? Who's going to be the next person up? And the fact that Tim Scott has done so well with fundraising puts him in a really good position. Mm -hmm. 
And we're almost out of time, Gibbs. So I'll ask you just about uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who, as of our taping, has not declared his candidacy yet, but is expected to do so. He's the closest to Trump, like we said, in a lot of polling data. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to South Carolina, you know, your colleague Scott Huffman up at Winthrop University had his poll that showed that, uh, you know, we saw DeSantis in second place there, but Nikki Haley was very, was very close in third within the margin of error. So that's probably really encouraging news there when it comes to, uh, you know, just the state of South Carolina when you want to win your home state if you're either Nikki Haley or Tim Scott. But what do they have to do to break through again with, you know, DeSantis and Trump battling out? Are they going to wait for either of them to stumble, like you're saying, and then just to swoop in and catch fire at the right moment? I mean, it's, it, I know it's a long time away from uh, the primary, but kind of lay it out for us. Yeah, just a lot can happen, and you know, you know I expect there will be debates, and so you know Trump, there's some controversy whether Trump will even be in the Republican primary debates, but that'll be an opportunity to really kind of you know change, shake up the race a little bit, and keep in mind DeSantis, you know, is, is a, has a lot of buzz right now, but he really hasn't had the national media scrutiny that you get when you run for president, and so you know there could be things about DeSantis that you know voters aren't going to like as much, and he could certainly stumble, and you know, and again. Trump and DeSantis are a lot alike in, in some of their tactics and a lot of their policies. And so if somebody's looking for an alternative, that's what Haley and Scott are trying to figure out because they clearly, you know, practice they're they're all conservative, but they practice a different brand of politics than Trump and DeSantis. And so I think they both provide good options. Again, it's just unfortunate, I think, that they're both running at this particular time, both from South Carolina, both competing for a lot of the same voters should turn to a good case study for you when it comes to research, right? To have two big candidates like this. I mean, we really haven't had this in our history uh, before. That's exactly right. You know, uh, Lindsey Graham ran in 2016, but ended up dropping out before the South Carolina primary. But yeah, to have these two candidates, you know, doing, and again, I think people might drop out too. It's like, it, they, we'll see who's actually on the ballot when South Carolina primary occurs in, you know, early 2024, because there's a lot of buzz, but, you know, there's a lot of time in the fall. And Kamala Harris is a good example. I mean, she came to South Carolina some in 20. Uh, in 2020, but ended up ultimately, you know, dropping out before the, the primary is really contested here. And so some of these folks that we're talking about now might just realize they're not raising money, they're not looking good in the polls, and they might decide to, to back out. And so the field, I think, is going to change a bunch. And there's a lot of time, but it's still, you know, Trump and DeSantis are the people that I think are best positioned to, 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 to get the nomination. Uh, but we've also got some really good people here from South Carolina. It's going to be really fun to watch. And Gibbs, really quick, what are you watching for over the next couple months? What should we be watching for as an early voting state? Yeah, just I mean, we're going to get tons of opportunities to see these candidates, and it's not hard to it's not hard to go see them. I think we're going to continue to get you know people are going to be coming. Mike Pence has been coming here. It seems like ever since uh, he stopped being vice president, and so I'll be curious to see whether he ends up. But yeah, just go out and see the candidates. Go out and ask them questions. It's it's pretty amazing that these national figures come to our state, and uh, it's just a great opportunity for voters. And we've got a big responsibility in South Carolina to weigh in on who's going to ultimately get the nomination. That's Gibbs Knotts. He's the Dean of the School of Humanities and Sciences at the College of Charleston. Gibbs, thanks as always. And we'll be following Senator Tim Scott on the campaign trail as he makes his initial swing through the early voting states of Iowa and New Hampshire this week. Stay tuned for that podcast. And again, and again, y'all, thanks for listening to the pod. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail at 803-563-7169. We'd love either of those or both. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. 
and don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I was here. I promise. I was here. Hey, 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 come back. Come back. Come back. I'm here. Look at me now. Bye.